Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us the privilege of opening your word and reading it today. Please prepare our hearts to receive your word and please let us uh, read and understand um, your passage. In your name I pray. Amen. Okay, reading from John chapter 19. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him in the face. Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, We have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it would not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of the preparation of the Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews, but they shouted, Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. My name's David Shannon. I wonder, what do you see in this picture? It's a famous portrait of the British monarch Henry VIII. What do you see in the portrait? A majestic royal? And even though he doesn't have a, a crown or a sword, which you'd normally see in a royal portrait, we do see Henry's aggressive posture, standing proudly erect with his legs spread apart and his arms in a pose of a warrior, with his heavily padded shoulders. He's a foreboding, aggressive, masculine king. We see Henry, the majestic king, in his splendour and strength. Is that what you see? Well, we see what the king wants us to see. Many have criticised his portrait as propaganda, saying he was never this tall, and by the time this was painted, well, he seemed so young and healthy, but in actual fact, he'd just been badly injured and was suffering from many health problems. He was anything but young and healthy. But the king, well, he loved his portrait, 
and wanted people to see him like this. And so he encouraged it to be copied, copied again and again and again, countless times, and, and encouraged people to send it around the realm. And so even though the original painting was destroyed in a fire 160 years after it was painted, because there were so many copies copied, we have many still to this day. Because Henry wanted people to see him like this. We've been following along with, with Jesus since his arrest by the Jewish authorities uh, with the help of the Romans. Uh, and the Jewish authorities wanted him address, uh, ad- arrested because of the claims he'd made about being God. You see, they weren't convinced. And they thought Jesus was blasphemous in claiming these things and wanted to kill him. But you see, the Jewish authorities, they were blind. They couldn't see Jesus for who he is because they didn't want to. That They feared losing their control and power over the people. And so in seeking his death, well, they hand him over to Pilate, the Roman governor. So the Pilate will kill Jesus for them. But now that Pilate sees Jesus, he's not really convinced by their claims. And so we continue off where we left off last week. Jesus is in Pilate's custody. And we see three things about Jesus here. They're all true for those who will see Jesus properly. The first is that he is the man, verse 5. Second, he is the son of God, verse 7 and 3. He is your king, verse 14. And we're going to follow each of those three in turn. First up, uh, we see that Jesus, the man, verse 5 says, Pilate said to them, he is the man. But you see, before Pilate presents Jesus to the, uh, to the gathered Jews, uh, Jesus allows himself to be humiliated and suffer and beaten. Have a look there from verse uh, 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And then they slapped him in the face. Well, how does Pilate see Jesus? Well, he's just a man to be beaten, bruised, humiliated. And I wonder if you're a little bit confused here. You see, we saw last week in verse 38 of chapter 18, and we see twice here in verses 4 and 6, Pilate says this three times. He says, I find no basis for a charge against him. And yet here he is giving Jesus a severe beating, leaving him covered in blood and in pain. And here's Pilate's brutal, cowardice, people-pleasing ways. We, we see them again. You see, he sees and he knows that Jesus is innocent uh, and doesn't deserve death. But instead of releasing him, he wants to please the Jewish authorities who want Jesus punished. And so Pilate's plan, let's get Jesus punished. I'll beat him up with the hope that it'll appease the crowd and make them back off from wanting to kill Jesus. Look, Jesus is being punished. Let's just leave this. Let's park this and move on. And so Pilate presents Jesus to the crowd and look at him, harmless, beaten, a pathetic looking man. 
And Pilate's really mocking the Jews here. You think he's dangerous and threatening? Ha! Look at him. What a pathetic, weak man. Verse 5, he is the man. But in seeing Jesus, well, the Jews are enraged. They're not satisfied or pleased that Pilate's beaten Jesus. They want him dead, hanging on a cross and shout and scream, crucify, crucify. You see, Pilate's plan backfires again. The Jewish authorities authorities are relentless in their desire for Jesus' death. And so if Pilate's going to release Jesus, he's going to have to deliver justice off his own bat, rather than try to be led off from making the hard decision himself. And so how's Pilate see Jesus? He's just a man who can be humiliated and beaten. And the Jewish authorities, they only want to see a man in Jesus and deny all the other things he said and done that match his identity. And the reason they see him as a man is because he is. He is 100% man. Remember, he's the word become flesh. And as a man, Jesus allows himself to be treated this way to suffer and be beaten because this is why he came. He came to suffer and die. And while Jesus looks the sorry sight, uh, he could have easily stopped it. Do you remember in the garden when, when he was arrested, how when, the, when they approached him and he said, uh, uh, I am he, they all fell to the ground. Uh, and other times as well, do you remember when the, the crowd, they, they wanted to stone him and what's he do? Well, he just walk through the crowd away from them. You see, Jesus could have just blown them over and and walked out. But you see, he doesn't. Because this is the glorious moment he's been heading towards. This is the path he willingly and obediently takes, being rejected by man, but chosen by God to bring him glory and to save a people for himself. We see Jesus, and he seems weak and humiliated, just a man. But this is his glory, as he saves those who trust him. Well, first we see that Jesus is a man. The second thing we see, uh, and that's true about Jesus, he's the the son of God. And this time it's on the lips of the Jewish uh, leaders. You see, they're not allowed to kill uh, Jesus, and, and they know it. And so they demand that Pilate would kill him. Have a look there from verse 7. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law. And according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. You see, the Jewish authorities reveal more of their cards here. You see, their first card didn't convince Pilate, who is a threat to the empire. And so, so they reveal a card closer to home. It's the blasphemy card. You see, they have this law, and because of it, Jesus must die. And they're probably thinking Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 24, where anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord is to be put to death. You see, in their eyes, the, the things Jesus has said as he claims to be the son of God, God's equal, they are blasphemous claims. And so he must die. So how do the Jewish authorities see Jesus? Well, 
they actually bury the evidence. They don't want to see Jesus as a son of God, God in the flesh. Even though what Jesus has been doing and, and saying match that he does things only God can do. Who else can raise the dead, walk on the water? But see, they don't want to see him as the son of God. And so they bury the truth. And this reminds me of a conversation I had with one of my neighbours. Uh, we were discussing a, a, a current affair and he was talking about the great evil that kind of happens uh, within the world. And, and as I agreed with him and, and said, yeah, there is great evil everywhere, I could see him nodding. But when, I spun the, but, but when I spun it around to include the two of us, that there's wickedness and evil in, in us, well, he stopped nodding. He totally disagreed. He could see the evil out there, but not in himself. He said he buried the truth. And the Jewish authorities, as they see Jesus, they bury the truth. He's not the son of God. He's just a man. But as Pilate listens, he, he's taken aback by this. The son of God? And he's frightened by this. Whoa, what's going on here? And so he leaves the screaming crowd baying for his death and, and he goes inside to investigate. You see, Pilate's more afraid because he realises, well, Jesus isn't an ordinary man. He hears Son of God and, and, and a divine man rises in his mind. Does Jesus have divine power? Does he have power from the gods? You see, the pagans of the time uh, uh, believed that gods could come down in human form. Just, just think about Roman and Greek mythology. So he looks at this unimpressive Jesus, but the Son of God? And he's afraid because he's just had Jesus flogged beaten, battered, and, he, and he's probably thinking, am I going to encounter the wrath of God for ordering Jesus to be flogged? And so uh, Pilate goes in to investigate from verse 9. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. And the silence really irritates Pilate. Let's continue reading on. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize that I have power to either free you or the power to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Pilate says he's got stacks of power. He could release or crucify Jesus. But, but what a hollow threat, as we'll see. You see, the Jews have the upper hand over Pilate. He doesn't actually have the power to do anything. And that's what Jesus explains to him. You've only got this power because it's been given to you from above, from, from God. And, and we've kind of seen this idea of God giving power uh, to some, say in the book of Habakkuk, we saw that there, where, where God raises some to power for, for his good purpose. See, God has given Pilate his position of power. And again, like we've seen in Habakkuk, God never softens or eases one's responsibility or guilt, even though they're operating under divine sovereignty. And so the decision that someone makes voluntarily to, to do rebellious and evil things, well, they are guilty of those things that they decided to do. You see, God has given Pilate power, and he's guilty for not dealing justice, for not revealing the innocent 
seeking to appease the crowd rather than seek the truth. But there's one, did you notice that? There's, there's one who's greater, who's guilty of a greater sin. And he's actually talking about Caiaphas. You see, Caiaphas was the one who had that great idea. It's better that one person die for the people rather than the whole nation perish. We saw that back in John 11. And so Caiaphas initiates the trial and he hands Jesus over to Pilate. He's engineered this whole thing so that Jesus would die. Caiaphas is the one guilty of a greater sin. Although really, everyone involved is guilty in their rejection of Jesus. The Jewish authorities, they wanted to see Jesus as a man. And so they they buried the truth that revealed that he was the Son of God and manipulated the situation so that Jesus would die. And while Pilate is cowardly and weak, at least when he hears Son of God, well, he's struck by fear and he goes in to investigate. You see, Jesus has shown throughout this gospel that he is God's promised future king. He is the Son of God, God in the flesh, doing things that only God can do. And he's been what he's been doing matches what he said. He is fully God, 100% God, and at the same time, fully man, 100% man and God. Because you see, he is God in the flesh. He is Jesus the man and the Son of God. Uh, we're seeing for those who want to see that Jesus, he's the man and the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. And while Pilate's struck by fear and hearing Son of God, he speaks with Jesus to investigate. But for the Jewish authorities, they only want to see him as a man and bury the evidence that might suggest otherwise. Well, the thing we see, uh, well, the final thing we see uh, about Jesus is that he is the king. Pilate says, verse 14, he is your king. You see, Pilate was struck with fear. And so in verse 12, from then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jewish authorities aren't having it. They say, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. You see, they pull out their final trump card. If you release Jesus Pilate, then you ain't no friend of, the, of, of Caesar. And the Jews, they really expose Pilate's weakness here and give him another reason to fear and the threat he fears most. You see, the Caesar at the time, he was known to respond to suspicions against governors like Pilate and, and he could be ruthless in punishing his governors. And so, and so the Jews, they've already made a complaint against Pilate. And so Pilate has no reason to think, well, that they, that they won't make contact with Caesar again. Because what kind of defence could Pilate give a paranoid emperor for failing to convict and execute Jesus in light of the allegations that have been made against him? Pilate would have no defence. And so if he wants to keep his high position, he can't seek the truth because he fears the Caesar. And so he does what the Jewish authorities want. And so having been strong-armed and pressured into the point, he mocks the Jews by saying, 
verse 14, here is your king. You see, Pilate's mocking him. He's your king, not my king, but your king. You see, Pilate's really struggled through all of this. We, we, we saw in 1828 that he's been at it since early morning, and it's now noon, and he's been back and forth. Have you noticed that? He's been inside with Jesus and out with the Jews, and he's really struggling to make his decision. He's really like a chameleon, who, a chameleon who changes their colours depending on the environment. You see, Pilate's thinking changes as he goes inside with Jesus and out with the Jews. But as Pilate listened to Jesus, he can see that he has a place, but just not a place in his life. You see, Jesus had spoken about being a king, that this, his kingdom is not of this world, and that he speaks the truth. And those who listen to him, who listen to Jesus, well, they are on the side of truth. And when Pilate can say he has a place, no place for him. Here is your king. He's for you, not for me. You see, Pilate tries to domesticate Jesus, to, to reduce him, so that, so that Jesus doesn't have to have a bearing on his life. And I reckon we'll know people like this, who see Jesus and see the things he's done and recognize him as a, as a good person. And, and I'll say, Jesus did amazing things. He was so kind, so loving, so thoughtful. Man, he taught good morals all we can live by. And I know when I've been in these conversations, I've agreed with them and said, yeah, Jesus did and said amazing things, didn't he? But when I raise the confronting things Jesus says, that actually Jesus said our biggest problem is sin that we deserve God's wrath, his anger, that we face his judgment. Hell awaits us if we don't trust him. Well, then they, they backpedal, don't they? Uh, they? They try to reduce and domesticate Jesus. Oh, well, I don't know about that. No, Jesus isn't like that. He's, he's that kind and loving guy. Don't, don't talk to me about that side of things. You see, they're willing to accept Jesus for the bits they like. But when there's the uncomfortable parts, well, they don't want any more of that. No, thanks. Jesus can stay in my box. Thank you very much. You see, Pilate sees Jesus had a place, but not the place, and, and wasn't willing to risk his position. And so hands Jesus over to be crucified. Well, Pilate presents Jesus to the Jews as your king, and they're enraged. Our king what are you talking about? Verse 15, we have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. And with such a venom and hatred of Jesus, they insist he is in our king. But by saying they have no king but Caesar, well, they're not only rejecting Jesus and his claims as the one sent by God, God's promised future king, they're also rejecting the Lord himself and his kingship over them. You see, the scriptures repeatedly say the one true king of Israel is God himself. Even if there were other earthly kings who reigned over them, well, the Lord God was still their one true king. But by saying they have no king but Caesar, well, they're conforming, uh, they're confirming their rejection of God. Their the rejection of Jesus as the one sent by the Lord his promised future king, uh, 
the one in whom they should be serving and giving their life. But as they reject Jesus, well, they reject the Lord, the one that they sent, as they clearly say here in these verses. You see, the Jews didn't see Jesus correctly. To him, he was just a man, easily humiliated, beaten and abused. Not God's promised future king. They did not see him like that. But how do we see Jesus? You see, Jesus came as a man, God in the flesh. And because of this, he was easily beaten, humiliated and bled. But as we've seen, he's also the son of God. And whilst it's easy to reject this if you don't want to see it, he's shown in his actions. He's God in the flesh doing things that only God can do, who willingly and obediently suffers and dies on the cross to save a people for himself. And he's also the king of all, in whom we should give our lives and serve. Now, while this is easily denied and domesticated, he's the king who came to suffer and die, who speaks the truth and reigns in his kingdom, who will bring us to that. Uh, by offering us freedom and assurance to those who put their faith and trust in him. I want to do you see Jesus correctly. He's the man, the son of God, the king, the king of all in whom we should serve and give our allegiance. Well, let's pray and, and thank God for, for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we give you great thanks for the Lord Jesus. We thank you so much that in obedience uh, and willingness he suffered and was humiliated and died, that he willingly did this as a man, being treated, slapped around and, and killed. But that he also showed that he was the Son of God, your promised future King, the one who would come to save and rescue your people. He's the one that was promised to... who. Um, who did amazing things, showing that he truly was God in the flesh. And we thank you that in line of that, he is the king, the king, the Lord of all things, who reigns in power in a kingdom, not of this world, but of of one to come. And so we do pray that knowing that he is the king, the the son of God, that we would give him our life and our allegiance. Father, please help us to do that. And to boldly speak of him to others around us, that they may know him as the Son of God and King of them too. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.